The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there 
I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John, the 14th chapter. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I have a story for you that I pray will lift your heart, that will cause you to rejoice in our Jesus. He is a Pentecost kinsman redeemer. The story we pick up today was Naomi returning from Moab where she had lost her husband and her two sons. They had both died. She started the journey on the king's highway with her two daughters-in-law. She considered them true daughters. One was named Orpha, meaning stiff-necked. She chose to return to to her mother, to her mother's gods, to the pagan. But a fire had been ignited in Ruth's heart, a fire of love. It burned brightly for Naomi. She'd never known a woman like this before, a woman of grace and love and beauty. And she said, where you go, I will go. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And so they journeyed on together. But Naomi, when she arrived in Bethlehem, all she could do was was cry. She said, please don't call me Naomi. Naomi meaning grace. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, meaning bitterness, because the El Shaddai, the Almighty, has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. The Almighty God of heaven has brought misfortune upon my life as well. And I have reason in my spirit to be bitter, but by some miracle I'm not. I'm not bitter, I'm not angry. Even though I've lost what is most precious. 
Today, you're going to find out why I'm not bitter. Many of you have lost just about everything. And many of us will lose even more in the future. But in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, he would have told us. He is coming again. And his coming is very soon. They arrived in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. The priest took two handfuls of of barley sheaves and he took them in before the Lord and he waved them as a wave offering before the Almighty God. They represented Jesus Christ. They were the first fruits. And I shared with you yesterday, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verses 20 through 23, where the Apostle Paul says, Jesus is the first fruit, guaranteeing our inheritance. Now, what I want you to hear is the frame around the story I'm going to share with you is that the waving of that offering was the assurance that the harvest would be taken in. There would be a wonderful harvest. Now, there were 50 days counted off. And at the end of that 50 days, they celebrated what we call Pentecost. Pentecost simply means 50. 50 days later is Pentecost. Pentecost was the establishment of the Christian church. It is the fullness of the harvest that has been promised. And it comes about because we have a kinsman redeemer by the name of Jesus. And by his precious blood shed on Calvary, offering himself as the first fruit to God, guaranteeing a full harvest. But let's go back to this story. In this story, Naomi doesn't know how she'll survive. She has no money. All she has is some property. She doesn't know what to do. But Ruth, the Moabitess, don't miss that. The Gentile, the outcast, said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. She knew it was desperately dangerous that, that Ruth could be raped or murdered because she was a Gentile, a woman without standing. So she went out and she began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. She asked permission 
they granted it. The grain would be cut, and then the women would come after that to bind up the sheaves. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, and he greeted the harvesters with the traditional greeting, The Lord be with you. And they called back, And the Lord bless you. Boaz asked the foreman, the foreman of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? It didn't take Boaz long to spot this beautiful woman in the field. And he says, Whose woman is that? That young woman. The foreman replied, She is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field, and she's worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz, this older, handsome man, extremely wealthy, he walks through the field to where Ruth is bowed low, gathering every morsel of grain that she could gather. She looks up as he approaches, and he says to her, My daughter, a a term of familiarity, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. Whoa, suddenly Boaz is putting an armored wall of protection around this young woman. And she's puzzled. She doesn't understand. Why this kindness to me? But even more, if you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. She's a Moabitess. Jews don't associate with Gentiles. But he's saying, You can go get a drink from the water jars. At this, she bows down with her face to the ground. And she exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? I want to tell you how many times I have said that to Jesus. Why have you shown me such kindness, Jesus? I am I am nobody. I'm the least of of the people. I have no wealth. I have no prestigious ministry. I have a small radio broadcast on a small AM station. I'm nobody. I don't have 
a large church. I don't have... I'm barren. And you've been so kind, Jesus. You fed me. You put your arms around me. You've carried me through the anguish and pain and the loss. Why have you been so kind to me, Jesus? Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a Gentile, a foreigner? Boaz replies, I want you to hear this reply. Now, please, this is a love story, but it's much more than a love story between Boaz and a Moabitess woman. This is the story between Jesus and you. This Moabite woman won the heart of Boaz. You must win the heart of Jesus, even as as Ruth won the heart of Boaz. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. But will he redeem you? Will he redeem you? Or will he cast you away? It's for you to win the heart of Jesus. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about keeping the rules. I'm talking about demonstrating before him your faithfulness. I received a call this morning at 8 a.m. from one of our faithful listeners. You've heard me speak about her before, Leslie. Leslie is a petite Hispanic woman who has found Jesus. She just finished a 40-day fast having one small meal a day. She was so bright on the phone this morning, so filled with courage, asking for a double portion of the Holy Spirit, hungry for Jesus. And she said, Pastor, I'm in another 40-day fast, but this time it's a fast of the television. I have turned off my television We're on the 16th day of my 40-day fast of not watching the television. And she said, you know what, Pastor? Every day, my television gets more skinny. (laughs) I just laughed with joy. Her television is getting skinny. She doesn't miss it. She's rejoicing that she is being faithful to Jesus. I rejoice with her. Boaz replies, I've been told all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. 
In other words, I've been told how you have loved, how you've had compassion, how you have cared, how you have fed, how you have cared for your aged mother-in-law, how, le- how you left your father and your mother and your, your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. How do you win the heart of Jesus? You win the heart of Jesus by leaving your father and your mother, your household, the world. And you come to live with a people called the church, God's people. where now you have come to take refuge under the wings of the Almighty God of heaven. Jesus takes notice when you leave your sin, when you come to him and say, Jesus, I must have you. I must have Pentecost I must have the fullness of what you have for me as my kinsman redeemer. She replied, I want you to hear this reply. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. Do you see how kind Jesus has been to you? Do you see the times when he rescued you from disaster? Or when you walked through a great trial or crisis? He carried you. Do you see how merciful he has been with you? Even in the suffering and tribulation, his presence has been there. And he's fed you. He's protected you. He's guarded your life. Have you taken refuge under the wings of God? Under the wings of Jesus? Have you taken refuge in Jesus, because of his great kindness to you. The scriptures tell us that God's kindness is meant to bring us to repentance. Some of you, out of the loneliness of your heart, have not taken refuge under the wings of the Almighty, you've taken refuge under the wings of a prostitute. You've taken refuge in pornography. Or you've taken refuge in money. Or you've taken refuge with a woman or a man you're not married to, but you live with. And you're a fornicator.
Some of you have taken refuge in drugs, in lies. If you want to win the favor of Jesus, you're going to have to walk away from that life. If you're living with someone you're not married to, either leave them now or marry them. But don't continue in that lifestyle of fornication. It will block you from entering heaven's gate. And it will cause Jesus to not redeem you. If you are sexually, if you are financially, if you are emotionally unclean, you must rush. You must come now and take refuge under the wings of the Almighty, of El Shaddai. I just hear some of you are right there in the Valley of Decision. You know what you're doing is wrong. You know and you're scared because you know a day of judgment is coming. Some of you are just lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're just Christian culture going through the motions, praying, reading a few minutes of Scripture, paying your tithes and offerings, but your heart. There's no passion. There's no hungry desire. You love the world and the things of the world. You love the entertainment of the world. There's no passion in your heart for Jesus. This has to change. You must come and take refuge under the wings of the Almighty. He says to her, I've been told what you've done. The Lord knows that Leslie has fasted for 40 days. He knows she's fasting the television, not because of legalism, but because she's so hungry for Jesus and so hungry for the double portion of Pentecost. She's so hungry for the Holy Spirit. She'll cut off anything. She has separated herself to be with Jesus. Have you done that? Would you do it? Would you do it now? And then in his mercy, he will lift you up. And your heart will be comforted. Now, it came time for a meal. And Boaz went over to where she was. In the field, gathering, exhausted, at the end of a long, hot, burning day. Her fingers pierced with the sharpness of the green stem. Bloody hands. 
Boaz says to her, Come, come over here with me. And she walks with Boaz, head down, not knowing what to think. And he says, Here. And he gives her bread. And he says, Here, dip it in the in the wine vinegar. Here, Naomi, sit down, or, or Ruth, sit down here among the harvesters. Do you see, Boaz is giving her a place. I cry aloud to the Lord, and I say, Oh God, will you, will you give me a place among those who serve you? Will you give me a place? A permanent place among those who serve you. A permanent place among your people. She ate all she wanted. And then he gave her some grain. Some roasted grain to eat. He's giving her lunch. She ate some, but not all of the roasted grain because she knew that night her mother-in-law, Naomi, would need something to eat and she was going to take back some and feed her mother-in-law. Ruth's heart was not selfish. It was being changed. She was being transformed. She got up once more to, to glean in the field before the sunset. And Boaz gave order to his men, even if she gathers among the sheaves, do not embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. Don't rebuke her. Whoa, do you hear? That makes me weep. God is concerned that you not be embarrassed as you seek after his fullness. As you seek after Jesus, he doesn't want you to be embarrassed. In fact, he's going to give you extra. Ruth gleaned until the full evening had come. Then she quickly threshed the barley that she had gathered so that it amounted to three-fifths of a bushel. That's a lot of grain. Wow. No one would expect her to have been able to gather that much grain. Obviously, the men who were harvesting and the girls who were gathering the sheaves gave her extra. God has given me so much extra. I don't understand his kindness, his mercy, his grace. She carried this back to town. And her mother-in-law 
saw how much she had gathered. She was astonished. Then Ruth also brought out the roasted grain so that she could have a meal that night. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you go to glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Somebody took notice of you, Ruth. This, This isn't how it's supposed to work. I want to tell you, if you'll begin to win the favor of God, he'll take notice of you. In my prayer closet this morning, as I came before the Lord, I said, Oh God, thank you for taking notice of me. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve your great kindness. But thank you for taking notice of me, of hearing my cry. Now, I'm not just talking about Fluff. I'm talking about the real stuff. I have a radio bill coming due at the end of the month, and already the Holy Spirit is moving in the hearts of precious brothers and sisters to give. That's the Holy Spirit moving on the hearts of people to say, Give. That's the Lord taking notice of my plight. I have done all in my power to win his favor. To win his attention. I have rent to pay. I have a few utility bills to pay. All of that comes from the hand of the Lord Jesus, not from me. I'm not on salary. I don't take that from the National Prayer Chapel or the radio budget. The Lord covers. He makes a way. I want you to hear. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Blessed be the name of Jesus who has taken notice of me. And blessed be the name of Jesus who has taken notice of you, my brother, my sister. Then Ruth eagerly told the whole story about the man who took notice of her. And Naomi said, Who was it? Who was the man's field you went to? The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Remember, Naomi came back bitter. And suddenly, in the face of God's incredible kindness, all she can say is, the Lord has not not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. 
In other words, God is pouring out his kindness on this woman who said she is bitter. She's eating roasted grain that she didn't earn. She is being provided for. God is showing her kindness. If you will begin to win the favor of Jesus and turn away from darkness and turn off the television and turn off the wickedness of the entertainment of our day, if you will turn away from the wickedness of our age, Jesus will come to you. And he'll show you great kindness. He'll show you great mercy. And Naomi said, this man is a close relative. He is the, he is the one. He is the kinsman redeemer. And Ruth said, Naomi, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finished harvesting all my grain. What's he talking about? Well, there's the barley harvest first, and then the barley harvest goes right into the wheat harvest that comes in second. He's saying, stay with me through the whole harvest. I want to stay with Jesus through the whole harvest. I don't want to turn aside. He has invited Ruth to harvest in his fields. Jesus is inviting you to harvest in his fields. Naomi says to Ruth, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field you might be harmed. Naomi knew it was dangerous, but she had no choice. She had to let Naomi go and do what she needed to do so they could eat and not starve to death. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz day after day to glean until the barley and the wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Day after day through the harvest. Fifty days. Day after day in the harvest. Her fingers were pierced. And the blood flowed. And she worked. Each day she had roasted grain to eat. A place to drink the water with the men. The bread and the wine vinegar. She was provided for day after day after day. God did it. It was the gift of God to her. And then came the 50th day. And on the 50th day, the priest went into the into the temple, the tabernacle. And he lifted up before the Lord two loaves of bread. Now, almost always with sacrifices, you have unleavened bread. 
Unleavened bread means sacrifice, hardship, repentance. But a a loaf of bread with leaven in the scripture does not represent sin. It represents celebration. It represents joy and pleasure. So now the priest lifts up two loaves of bread, one for the Gentiles and one for the Jews. We know that now as the church, as we look back and we see they didn't understand that then. They still don't. But the Moabitess was brought in as a As a foreigner, she was brought in. And as she's brought in, she works the harvest. And on the 50th day, Pentecost came. Now I want you to see what happened at Pentecost in this story. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz with those servant girls you've been a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing the barley on the threshing floor. Wash Perfume yourself. Put on your best clothes. <laughs> to understand this is this is how you win the heart of Jesus. You have to get washed. And it's his blood that washes you. The stench has to be gone. The sweat has to be washed away. Put on your best clothes. Some people go to church and they just wear a pair of shorts, flip-flops, casual shirt. Some preachers stand up that way too. I can't do that. I wash and put on cologne and I put on my very best clothes to go preach the gospel. That's why I come usually with a fresh, clean shirt, a tie, to do this this broadcast. Because I want the favor of Jesus. Go down to the threshing floor. Don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, Note the place where he's lying. In other words, she was at a little distance where he couldn't see her. And she was watching as he threshed out his grain. And then he's going to sleep there. He's going to guard that grain. It's very valuable. I'm sure he had servants helping him. There were others there helping him get this grain cleaned up. And then he's going to thresh the wheat. 
She said, when no one can see you, this is between you and Boaz, nobody else. Uncover his feet and lie down at his feet. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. She must have been terrified to go lay down at the feet of this man who could curse her, who could have her cast out. She went down to the threshing floor and she did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. I want to tell you to do the same thing, brother, sister. Go uncover the feet of Jesus Christ that were pierced for your sins and lay down at his feet. And when he waits, awakes, when he answers you, say, be my covering. Be my covering. That's how you win the heart of Jesus. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, this is Ruth, the third chapter, verse 7. He was in a good spirit. And he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Now, Ruth waited patiently. She wanted to make sure it was dark enough that nobody could see her. She knew where he'd lay down. She saw him go. She had no flashlight. She had no candle to burn. It was dark, pitch black. Ruth approached very quietly. She very carefully uncovered his feet, as was the custom. And she lay down at his feet. And in the middle of the night, something startled the man. He was awake. He turned and looked. He discovered a woman was lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. I want you to see this, brother. I want you to see this, sister. Jesus is my kinsman redeemer, and he is yours, and you must go patiently and lay down at his feet and wait for him, and he will respond in time. The hardest part of this journey for me has been to wait upon the Lord. But there's joy in my heart at waiting. Because he has said to me, I bless you. He said, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. 
Have you asked for the double portion of the Holy Spirit? Have you asked for Pentecost? That's what this love story is about. It's about Pentecost. It's about the the redemption of the church. It's about the rapture, the catching up of the church. It's about Jesus splitting the sky open with the trumpet of God and coming in power and the dead in Christ being raised first. And then those of us who remain rising up to meet him in the air. This is about the church. This is about the coming of Jesus. This is about a wedding feast that's going to take place. Are you ready? Don't be afraid. I will do all you ask. I've asked the Lord, Luke, the 11th chapter, for the double portion of the Holy Spirit. He says, I will do all that you've asked. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to redeem good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning. Now, please, no one else has a claim on on me. Only Jesus has a claim on my life. He is my kinsman redeemer. And we're coming to Pentecost. The celebration of the beginning of the church. It is also the celebration of the the resurrection of the church. Of the full redemption of God's people. Of the coming of Jesus in glory. To be taken to the wedding banquet of God. Many years ago, I had a dream. In the dream, I was standing, looking through a chain-link fence at a great long table, laden with the most delicious food, crystal, china, silverware of real silver. I could not enter. In sadness, I turned away. As I turned away, I met a company of people coming and they had gifts all wrapped like Christmas gifts. They were well-dressed. They were singing songs of praise and worship. I looked at myself and suddenly I was ashamed because I was naked. I could not enter. That began a time of my laying before the Lord day after day, day after day, crying out to God, waiting on Him. And He came and He spoke with me. And He asked me, Will you receive only from my hand what I choose to give you? I said, Yes, Lord. And he brought me into his banquet hall. And his banner over me is love. 
Well, tomorrow we're going to finish this story. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. One word, nationalprayerchapel.com. There are podcasts and videos. And we also invite you to give. This month is almost gone. And we're still several thousand dollars from where we need to be to be able to pay the bill for this month. I pray as the Holy Spirit calls you and moves in your heart, I pray you'll give. Well, we're out of time. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk with you. I'll talk with you soon. Joy.